The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome to Autism Live. I'm Shannon Penrod and I don't know if you were able to see I got a lot going on here this morning because I, um, <laughs> you know, I had meetings this morning and so thrilled to be here with you, but it gets hectic right before we go live. Uh, and we are live, live from the back room in my house, uh, which is, the, this is the space where my dog usually spends most of her days. So she is affronted by the fact that I'm in here uh, doing these live shows. And so you may hear her bark and cry and whine. And some days I've let her be in here, but then she turns into a, a raving maniac at times. And, you know, anyway, uh, we're going to be with you live for the next hour. And I'm really excited because we've got a great guest for you, a wonderful, wonderful woman, um, self-advocate, Becca Lori Hector is going to be with us in just a little while. But I wanted to take just a couple of minutes here to talk with you uh, and welcome you if it's your first time here on the show. I am, as I said, Shannon Penrod, and we typically do this show in a studio. And, you know, we're all making do. We're throwing out the rule book and finding new ways to do things that uh, sometimes are old ways, right? And sometimes they're new ways. So I'm thrilled that I have the opportunity to be here with you. I welcome the entire larger autism community. And what I mean when I say that is that, you know, first of all, when we talk about the autism community, first of all, we want to welcome individuals who are themselves on the autism spectrum, of course. Um, this show is hopefully a resource for them as much and, and, and more than for anybody else, right? But here on this show, we also welcome that larger autism community, which is everyone who loves and cares about someone or a lot of someone's on the autism spectrum. And we know that, um, you know, it is this big, beautiful spectrum of individuals. One size does not fit all uh, for the individuals on the spectrum, but also for the people who love and care about them, right? And we hope here to be uh, a resource for people to get information and inspiration. And that, you know, some days you're going to tune in and we're not going to be singing your particular song because it's not going to be stuff that you need. And, uh, but we want you to know it's interactive. We want you to reach out to us and tell us what do you need? What do you want to know more about? Because we want to, we want to help. So uh, there are a lot of different ways that you can connect with us here on the show. There's a lots, lots of ways to watch the live show. There's lots of ways to watch it recorded. And there are lots of ways to interact. So Normally, we're able to cycle through a bunch of lower thirds to be able to show you the ways to connect, but I think that Traven has a slide that, that tells you at least where the places are, the main places are where you can connect, and if he can find the way to show that to you. In the meantime, I'm going to mention that our home site 
He's doing it. Look at him, how good he is. Our home site is autism-live.com. And when you go to that website, it has pretty much all the things that you might need there. You can watch the live show. You can watch the full library of over eight years of videos uh, that are available to you there. Um, there's also a chat button so that you can chat with us there. That is free and live and anonymous. But I want to point out that there are other ways to watch too and that might be more pleasurable to you. For instance, you can be watching us on Facebook uh, live. You can be watching us uh, live on YouTube. You can be watching us live on Twitter and on Periscope. And all of those places we are free and live and there is a way to interact there. And we try to monitor um, and answer comments from all of them as much as possible. I will be honest, we can't answer all of them, but we do try to get to as many of them as we can. But notice in that second column that was there that there were a bunch of ways to watch us in podcast form because we do record the shows. We even edit them into highlights so that you don't have to watch all of this over and over and over again, right? Uh, later, you're going to want to watch this interview that we are doing with Becca Laurie Hector and you can watch just the interview with her. Those are available on our homepage and on YouTube under highlights. Um, so you can catch up on those, you can search topics, so on and so forth. But you can also download us for free on iTunes and you can download either the picture and sound or just the sound if you wanna take us in the car or on a walk, if you're able, uh, if you're in an area that's secluded enough that you can still get out and walk. I hope that that's a possibility for some of you. It is not a possibility for all of us, um, but we're gonna we're gonna be talking about things that you can do if that's not a possibility, right? But uh, we're also on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, and on Deezer. Uh, so whatever that is, <laughs> so I just don't even know. I can't keep up. Uh, but if there is a way that you would like to connect with us that you that you're like, oh, you guys are so old school. You don't know about you know, whatever it is, let us know because we want to be as available to you free on as many screens as we can. That's that's all that we're here about. So, and I mentioned that I am a mom of an individual who was diagnosed with autism at the age of two and a half. So um, that's why this is personal to me. I um, He is now about to be 17. And let me just say this, there is no one on the planet that I respect more than him. Boom, it's period, right? Um, and I respect uh, his wishes and desires and what he wants to do with his life. And I'm thrilled that um, we had resources early on to help him to work through some of the more challenging aspects of autism so that he could do the things he wanted to do. Uh, and I love talking about that with those of you who have younger kiddos on the spectrum and doing that in a way that preserves everybody's dignity and is kind and um, teaches them to learn so that they can learn the things that they want to do. That's, I'm totally about that. Uh, but I'm so proud of my son. If you haven't seen, we posted a video the other day that my family did on our first day in self-quarantine, where we, we wanted to find a way to help teach everybody how to wash their hands. It was fun and exciting. Because uh, even I, like I knew about washing hands like this. I didn't know that there were specific moves. Uh, that the CDC had put out. So we put together a video. We changed the words to the time warp and we did a video. My son shot the entire thing. You know, that was, that was him entirely. And he edited the entire thing. So uh, I, 16 years old, about to be 17, my budding filmmaker, I hope you check it out. I, it, you know, it's embarrassing, but hilarious. 
And because um, I am willing to be a fool for my son. Are you kidding me? Uh, of course. So check it out. Uh, if you have kiddos or teenagers or anybody who's struggling with a hand washing thing, because we need to be doing it. We need to be doing it often. We need to be able to do it for at least 20 seconds. And there are specific moves that um, we teach in, in the video. And it's funny. Uh, I hope it's funny. <laughs> and not just pathetic. I should not be allowed to sing ever to anyone ever. So anyway, uh, check that out. But that's you know, that's what my, my son is doing right now, in addition to his schoolwork for this quarantine. So uh, I hope that you guys will be writing in questions about anything that we're doing. Um, we, I always love to tell you that we try to have as many experts on the show to answer your questions. And I'm thrilled uh, with our guests today, but I do want to point out to you that I am not one of the experts. I'm not an expert in autism. I am a former teacher and I've been covering autism uh, in this sort of format for more than 10 years. So I've interviewed a lot of people. That does not make me an expert. I know that there are other people who say that it does. It, I don't think it makes me an expert. Do I have an informed opinion? Sure, but a lot of people have an informed opinion. We're not experts. So I hope um, that if you have questions for our experts, you'll write them in, but you will understand that I am not one of the experts. Uh, I also uh, like to start the show and then we're gonna get to a craft. I have, I because every day, I'm giving you something fun to do at home, something fun and productive. And I have papers all over the place because I have this craft for you this morning. I've, I've lost my mind entirely. The rails have gone completely off, but it's going to be okay. But I do like to start with something we fondly refer to as the jargon of the day. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym. We try to figure out what in the hey, Nani Nani, are these experts talking about? What does it have to do with us? Uh, you know, why should we care? How can this save us time and money is the question I was always asking. Like, why do I have to learn these new things? So we give you the actual definition. I generally make fun of it whenever possible. And then, cause you know, that's how I roll. And then we give you a working definition to show you hopefully why this might be a term that you already are sort of familiar with what it is, but now you'll know the term for it and to give you some insight into why it might be important to you. So you see that today's jargon is behavior momentum. I'm sorry, uh, it's, you know, it sounds a little to me like a bowel movement. <laughs> Keeping it real, a behavior momentum. I don't really know what that is. Uh, okay, so, but this is important. So let's take a look at what our actual definition is so that we can roll up our sleeves and make some fun of it. Uh, actual definition for behavior momentum. A theory in quantitative analysis of behavior. Don't you just want to go right there? Like, like help us. Uh, a theory in quantitative analysis of behavior and is a behavioral metaphor. What? Based on physical momentum like, is that even a sentence? I feel like there's a verb missing. It describes the general relation between resistance to change, persistence of behavior, and the rate of reinforcement obtained in a given situation. You know what this uh, definition is, for, uh, is, is useful for? Lighting on fire. Like, honestly, what in the heck does that mean? And if I read this as a parent, you know, and I was like trying to figure out how to help my child to learn something. And somebody said, oh, use behavioral momentum. And I looked this up. I would be like, 
that's never going to happen. I can't like, I would need a fork, a knife and an expert to open this up and figure out what it means. So, okay. And I would be convinced that it wasn't the thing that was going to help me. This is why we do jargon of the day. So let's go on to our working definition and see if we can make some sense of this. Behavior momentum is starting with easy tasks that are doable and working up to harder tasks. Oh, why didn't they just say that? Well, BCBAs all over the world are breaking out into hives because it's a little bit more complex than that, but it's the general idea that if you ask me to do something hard, I'm going to have emotions about it and I'm going to get overwhelmed and I'm, I might even get paralyzed. I might not be able to even try because it's so overwhelming. You know, we have this um, metaphor that we talk about walking somebody into the shallow end of the pool. This is what I like to think of when I'm thinking of behavior momentum. I'm somebody who gets paralyzed. I'm somebody who gets overwhelmed. Oh my gosh. Right. Um, so if somebody's trying to teach me how to do something that's hard for me, um, that, that one of the most effective teaching tools that they can use is build my confidence and get me moving instead of being paralyzed. So for instance, I'm definitely afraid of heights, right? And if you were trying to get me to go up and do something at a height, I, I would be like, mm, not going to happen, right? But if you started me with doing something that I'm totally capable of doing, like walking across the floor on a piece of tape, well, you know, yeah, I can do that. And, and I would be like, well, that's ridiculous. That has nothing to do with walking on, you know, you know, going up a ladder and walking on a tightrope, right? Um, but you could, you know, if you stay calm, you go, well, let's just start there. Let's just walk on this piece of tape and see how you feel and, and walk across it. And I go, I walk across and I'm like, well, that's easy, right? And then you build on that and go, great, let's look at what else we can do. And, and maybe you, you know, put, uh, put that piece of tape up, you know, uh, so that it's two inches off the floor and have me walk across that. Now I'm feeling like, you know, I can do anything and you gradually work up to me doing the hard thing. I will tell you that on paper, it looks ridiculous. It's like, well, that's not going to work. That's not going to happen. And yet we see behaviorally, it works all the time. If we give people confidence and get them unstuck and reward them for the things that they're able to do. And let's not forget, that's an important piece of this, that when I walk across the floor and do the thing that's easy for me, you know, I need to be hearing, look, you know, that's fabulous. You can do that. Oh, okay, great. Uh, well, then let's see what else you can do. You're a rock star, right? And then I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not a whore. Because when I get in the fear of, I can't do that big thing, you know, I'm not feeling how capable I am. But behavior momentum, and we use this all the time as teachers. We do, we do. You know, if we're trying to get kids to, uh, you know, write a whole essay uh, and, and they get, they're like, I can't, I can't. There are times when I've tutored individuals of all abilities to write an essay and I go, you don't have to write an essay. Right now, we're just going to write one sentence. We're going to, what is, what's the main thing you want me to know? Let's start there, right? And they're like, oh, and they tell me what the main thing is. And then I go, oh, well, that's the thesis. You've got the thesis right there. Look at how smart you are. And they go, oh, that's the thesis. And I, you know, and I can start from there and I can say to them, okay, so, you know, you really believe this is true and you want me to believe it. What are, what are three things that you can tell me to convince me, right? And I'm lining up the argument. I'm piecing it into different things 
But I, I started with something that I knew that they could do. And that's the key with behavior momentum, that you have somebody do something that's relatively easy. Now I'm going to tell you something. What I tell therapists all the time and BCBAs all the time about how to work with parents, I tell them to use this on parents. Um, that we forget sometimes this great teaching tool and that this can be used for parents because a lot of times parents get overwhelmed and we go, I can't, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with this behavior, right? And so we give the parents something easy that we know they can do, right? Like a parent knows how to give their child a hug, right? And we praise them for it and go, that's, that's awesome parenting. Because you know what? Hugging a kid who likes to be hugged some kids don't like to be hugged and we would find something else, but hugging a kid who likes to be helped, that's good parenting. That's not being crazy. That's rewarding the parent for what they're doing that's good, right? And then we build up for there and we see that parents are able to do the things that they will help them to be able to help their kiddos. So behavior momentum, Trayvon, could you for one second put it back on that ridiculous slide that definition that means nothing to anyone so that we can look at, at like a jeer at it, how a theory and quantitative analysis of behavior and is a behavioral metaphor based on physical momentum. <sighs> it describes the general relation between resistance to change. All right, it makes a little bit more sense now, persistence of behavior and the rate of reinforcement obtained in a given situation. All right, if it starts to make sense for you, run and get your BCBA because it's still like, I, I literally think that someone sat and was like, how convoluted can I make this and how difficult can I make it <laughs> be understood, right? I think I've got it, right? <laughs> okay, so we're getting rid of that. It's starting with something easy to build somebody up, praise them so that they can do something down the line that's harder. It's walking somebody into the shallow end of the pool, not throwing them in the deep end. And it's a great teaching technique no matter who you're teaching, no matter what their age, no matter what their skill level. Everybody likes to, you know, feel like they're capable and it, this really builds that up. Okay, that's our jargon for the day. Uh, and I'm really excited. I, I was so thrilled last night, about midnight last night, somebody sent me a message and said, I, I'm gonna cry. They said, I just wanna thank you um, because watching your jargon of the day helped me to be able to pass my BCBA test and because nothing else was working, nothing else was making sense, but this really helped. And I'm telling you, I've been hiring for, like I, we did not start this to help BCBAs. Can I be honest? We started this because as a parent, I was so at sea with the jargon and felt like it was learning a new language. But the fact that so many universities are telling us that they're using it and to get that email, now there's a BCBA out in the world who, uh, was helped, I, you know, it just makes me so happy. All right, uh, but moving on, we always have a question of the day for you. And we will look forward to seeing what you guys wrote in on Facebook, on YouTube, or you can be writing us right now on our live feature. Uh, okay, so our question today is, what do you miss the most? So yesterday we asked you like, what's one good thing that has happened as a result of being in this, the, the great isolation of 2020, as I guess we're calling it, uh, you know, cause we have to like, there are some good things that have happened. We have to be honest about that. There's a whole bunch that is not great, right? Um, but today I wanted to take an opportunity to ask you, what do you miss the most? Like what, uh, what, you know, it could be like, what's the thing that you're gonna do first? Somebody asked me the other day and I said, you know, the first thing that I'm gonna do when this is over is I'm going to go to Trader Joe's. 
Now I know, and I think I might've said Trader Freakin' Joe's. <laughs> I know that there are people who are still going to Trader Joe's. I have decided not to do that. And my family has decided not to do that. And yes, I'm incredibly privileged that I can, you know, get my groceries and I am paying more for them to be delivered. And I don't, there is nobody who delivers from Trader Joe's in my area. You know, if this is, this is my biggest problem right now, I'm okay. Right. Um, but I do miss Trader Joe's, my Trader Joe's. Uh, I do miss it. I will be happy to uh, go and dance down the aisles of a Trader Joe's and I won't be able to because the aisles are still so, they will always be full. Um, but what do you miss? What do you miss the most? Um, and, and write in and tell us, we can all commiserate over the thing that we miss the most. Uh, all right, we always have a topic of the week and our topic this week, uh, just for you, picked for you during this great isolation uh, is World Autism Awareness Day. Now, Thursday is World Autism Awareness Day. And I always like to be clear here because a lot of people get fatutzed about the whole World Autism Awareness Day thinking that it belongs to one charity or another. It does not. Uh, let's be very clear that this is, you know, like a, a cause for me. World Autism Awareness Day was started as a result of um, a, uh, a, a declaration. I was looking for, I didn't want to say edict, a declaration from the United Nations. And it was started as a result of a document that they had formed a couple of years before, which is about um, the, it's, I, I'm going to mess up the name of it, but it's like the world's rights for um, humans and, and, and humans of all abilities. There's some word, a phrase that's like that. And, um, and so World Autism Awareness Day is just one of the different aspects of this call to action to make sure that there is justice in the world for people of all abilities, right? And so I want you to know that I really feel that it comes, the idea of it sprouted from something very positive. And there is a call to action every year. They pick a topic. I still don't know what the topic is from the UN this year. They've been very busy. Um, and, you know, the UN is, is like everything else, struggling to figure out the ways to communicate um, through this uh, isolation. But there, like a couple of years ago, the topic was uh, girls and women and making sure that girls and women um, of, of different abilities don't get left behind because let's be honest, they are being left behind in, especially in the field of autism, right? Um, so I really, uh, love the, the concept of World Autism Awareness Day. I know I said yesterday that my goal is, um, I know that there was a time when I did not know anybody with autism, right? Then um, I met someone with autism when I was very young, probably 16 years old, and that made a tremendous impression on me, uh, but it didn't change my world, let's be honest. And then it was like, oh, this family in our neighborhood, they have a boy and he is different than me. And that's about as much as I knew. And then uh, after I got out of college, one of my college roommates, she had a son who was diagnosed with autism and I would talk to her about what that was like for him and for her, but I didn't really have an appreciation, but my awareness was starting to grow, right? But it wasn't until I was initiated into this greater community by having a child on the spectrum that I went, hey, 
I better pay attention and I better learn about this. And that I fell in love with so many people who are on the autism spectrum. And I believe that um, at some point in this world, everyone will feel that way. Everyone will know someone who's on the spectrum. Everyone will love someone who's on the spectrum. And that when we achieve that, that there will be more compassion and there will be more people who are concerned about the rights and the dignity and the education and the opportunities and the resources for those people. That's what I love about this day. And, and that's what I wanna promote on that day. Now on actual World Autism Awareness Day on Thursday, our guest will be Dr. Temple Brandon. So, I, you know, I, I couldn't be happier. I, I can't think of what I would rather do on that day than get to spend time with Temple Brandon. I do consider her a friend and I do consider her one of the great teachers in my life. I hope that that is true for you as well. And we will have her on, on Thursday, but I hope that you will take some time this week to think about what goals do you have for the world understanding and appreciating autism and let's work together. There's going to be a whole lot of things that we don't agree on. Let's, let's be honest about that. And I want you to know that I totally espouse the idea that everybody gets to have their own opinion and everybody gets to have their own story. Totally about that. But I do think we all agree on really fighting for the dignity and the rights and the opportunities for individuals on the spectrum. Let's, let's take that common ground and let's do something with it. Write to me. Tell me ideas that you have. Okay, so I mentioned that we do have a guest who's going to be on the show here in just a minute. A, a fabulous young woman. I cannot wait to talk to her about the name of that animal. You're going to scream with laughter. It is so much fun. But Becca Laurie Hector is going to be with us. She's a CAS, BCCS, and we're going to help you to understand what that means because it's really super fabulous. Uh, she's a dynamic autism advocate, consultant, speaker, and author with dual certifications. So we're going to love talking to her. But before we get her on, I, I've said that every day I want to give you an activity, something to do. Uh, Cecilia Knight is calling it forced family fun, which I sort of love and adopted. Um, and yesterday we suggested that you find a song that everybody in the family knows and likes at least a little bit on YouTube and do karaoke. Well, today I've got a little bit of a craft project with a kick to it. So do you remember these things that you used to make when you were a kid that can you see these little things that, you know, go like this? So I want to encourage you today as a family to sit down and have everybody make one of these. Um, and I'm going to go through really quickly how you make them, but I want you to see that, and you can do anything that you want with these. But what I did was I numbered, uh, put some, and I did this very quickly this morning, super fast. And you can see that I did it on lined notebook paper. Um, but I've got the numbers. And so you say to the person you're doing it with pick a number. So if they say four, then you go one, two, three, four, and you open it up. And I've got two choices here of what it says. I know it's probably hard for you guys to read. But I wrote four separate things on the inside, four emotions, bored, anxious, scared, and frustrated. So you could ask the people in your family, once you create them, and, you, and I'll show you how to fold them, to write four things that they feel at some point during you know, this period of time. And so now, you, now when you pick the number and you've done it, they get to choose between the two, what are you feeling right now? And so maybe they say they're feeling bored. And then you open it up and it has something to do when you're bored, play a game. Um, or I go to anxious. What's one thing you can do when you're anxious? And I say, take 10 breaths. 
Um, or what can you do when you're frustrated? A lot of our kids are frustrated right now with the whole online school thing. You can ask for help. What can you do when you're scared? You can call a friend. Um, so those are just four little things. And then in the centerpiece, I drew a little picture of what is a happy place in my head, someplace with water and a tree. I know I did this very fast, but um, here's the thing. You know, it's so hard for us to sit and, you know, say to, you know, your four-year-old or your teenager or your 27-year-old or, you know, whoever it is that you have in your life that you love that is feeling some of these emotions, it's really hard to start the conversation. Let's be honest, right? And, and everybody is a little bit bored and a little bit overwhelmed, but busy hands tend to be less anxious hands. So we do this craft and we say, we're, we're going to sit down and do this. And, but then, and you say to them, you know, what it's, it's a little bit that behavioral momentum thing that we were talking about, but you know, what's an emotion that you've been feeling lately and write it down on this piece of it. And, and, and then later on you go, okay, let's just brainstorm. What's one thing that you can do when you're anxious. Uh, and it's almost like we're doing this for other people, but we're, we're having the conversation happen. Um, and so even if they never use it to do this, like even if that never happens, we will have gone through the fact that there are these emotions that we're feeling and we've normalized it by not freaking out. We, yeah, no, everybody's feeling scared. Yeah, that's an appropriate thing. So we normalize it and we came up with at least one thing that they can do when they're feeling that. And we didn't make it into this big psychological, it, you know, we did a craft and we, and we got out arts, you know, uh, and craft things. And, and we, we did this and it, we had some fun and we had some conversation. We occupied some time. We, you know, really had a meeting of the minds and we gave them tips on how, what to do. Well, I, I don't know why I'm whispering. <laughs> like somebody's going to overhear and, and know that we're, we're doing it. Okay. So the, the, the thing is, is that to be able, if you can't remember, the thing is to be able to do this is you got to start with a square piece of paper. Now um, I got out the lined notebook paper and I had to turn my, my rectangle into a square. And all you have to do to do that is you fold over and make a triangle and then you take this excess and this is a great thing. You know, you might go, oh, Shannon, I don't have scissors this old school, we used to do this when I was in, in school, when we were bored in study hall. And you just teach your kiddo to fold the piece of paper back and forth, back and forth until the fold is like, it's like the paper gets tired. And then you teach them how to rip it. And we also teach them if it's not perfect, it's not the end of the world. Okay. So that's how you turn a rectangle into a square. And I'm going to move now to the bigger piece of paper that has colors on it, right? Because it's easier, I think, for you to see. And the first thing that we want to do once we have the square is fold it into uh, fourths so that we're really making a grid for ourselves, right? Um, so that, that we've got the square, but it's now we've got four squares. And whichever way you want to do it, we want to start folding our paper uh, take each corner and fold it into the center um, like this. See, I just took it and folded it into my center. And I want to do that on or all four sides. I'm sure that the rustling of the paper is making you all crazy. I apologize. So I'm going to fold this in 
Oopsie, what did I just do? <laughs> I just lost you guys entirely. There we are. Okay, so uh, I'm gonna fold it in on all four sides because really what I'm doing is I'm taking the big square and I'm turning it into a smaller square. So see, I folded in all four of those papers the all, so that I've made four triangles together and now I've got a smaller square. This is what it looks like from the back. Now I'm gonna turn it over to this back and I'm gonna take each one of those corners and fold it into the middle. Is it all coming back to you now? I, I started to do this this morning and I was like, am I gonna remember from seventh grade study hall how to do one of these? And it's like riding a bike. Apparently it like doesn't leave the muscle memory, but I'm old and we didn't have our cell phones to be on and we had study halls. Okay, so now it should look like this. So see that I took that back and I folded each one of those in. And if this isn't working for you, know that there are videos online that cover this. So now what I wanna do is I wanna take this side that has the flaps that are sticking up and I wanna fold it into itself like this. And then I wanna fold it over again so that I end up with just one square. See how that works? Okay, now as I open it up, I wanna find there's these little flaps. I wanna find and stick my fingers in them and then I'm gonna push it in and voila, we have our thing. And now I can decorate whatever I want. You can put letters or numbers or anything on the outside. Then you open it up to lay flat. And on each one of these flaps, you would write an emotion that you're feeling or that you may feel during this isolation, right? Then you open up the flaps and here you write something you can do about feeling that way, right? On each one of them, but this big center square in the middle is where I would draw my picture of my happy place. Now you can do this however you want. You don't have to uh, write emotions, but that was just, uh, I just think it's a great way to be able to talk with our kiddos about what they're feeling and normalize it because it is normal to feel all of those things. And hey, they might say a different word that they're feeling. They might say lonely. They, uh, you know, their words, I mean, I used words that are my words, uh, bored, scared, frustrated, and anxious. But sometimes our kiddos will say something um, that makes us go, oh, oh, okay. Well, that I hadn't, hadn't occurred to me that that might be how you're feeling. Anyway, a fun, craft. Now you got something to do today. And, um, you know, I did it first with notebook paper and then I realized I had scrapbook paper. You've got something, even if it's, um, you know, something laying around the house, you've got an old IEP somewhere that you can fold into a thing, <laughs> right? They, those things have to be useful for something. All right. Uh, I'm so excited because, uh, I believe that we have our guest with us. I'm hoping that we have our guest with us. I know you guys have been writing things in and I'm going to be checking that out in just a second, but welcoming Becca, Lori, Hector. I wanted to make sure I got all three of the names right. I'm so thrilled that you're here with us. Welcome to the live show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited that you're here and I want to start with talking about your double certification, the CAS and the BCCS. Would you explain to our viewers what those are? Sure. Um, so both of them come from IBCCES, which is a board credentialing site. Um, and you basically do 
what other people do and they do continuing education, which is you study and learn about the topics and then you go ahead and um, <clears throat> take some tests and see if you qualify for the certification. So the CIS is a certified autism specialist and the BCCS is a board certified cognitive specialist, which opens me up away from just autism and into neurodiversity. Which is, it, which is wonderful. And so what kinds, I, I know that you are um, an advocate um, and that you um, are a speaker and a writer. And, uh, you know, I always, normally we have people, I get to chat with them just a little bit before we go on air. And I always say to them, if you want to self-identify, that is entirely up to you. I always like to be respectful and not identify anybody, but is there any way that you choose to self-identify? I do. I identify as autistic. And so, but my understanding is that you got your diagnosis uh, a little bit later in life. Yes, I definitely did. How old were you when you got your diagnosis? Uh, I was 36 years old when I got my diagnosis. I literally just turned 36. Uh, so that was going to be eight years ago now. I'm about to turn 44. Wow. Well, can I first of all say you don't look it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Autism gives us that too, they say. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say, I mean, come on, that's, that's incredible. Um, but, um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about what it was like and why you sought out a diagnosis that was later. Cause I know we have a lot of people who watch the show who will write in and maybe they've got a kiddo that was uh, um, identified as being on the spectrum. And they're like, as I'm finding out about this, I'm realizing I'm a, all the things that they're talking about. And they have questions about how do you go about getting a diagnosis later in life? I want to talk about that, but then let's not forget. I want to come back to the ways that you use those certifications uh, to be able to do what you do. Yep. But let's start with what made you uh, seek out a diagnosis at that age? Um, well, my life was not a pretty place at that time. Um, I had um, pretty much struggled for as long as I can remember. It was given other names throughout my life. Um, I was given many mental health diagnoses that didn't fit. Um, but there was always trouble a brewing kind of from when I was very, very young. Um, and as I got older, the struggles, you know, I had learned to cope and I've sort of learned to mask and all of these things, but the struggles really continued to show themselves in my employment history and my struggles in employment, which we now know is a fairly common thing uh, that happens to folks on the spectrum. Um, and so I was really struggling there and it, and it gets very, um, it beats you up a lot. Your self-esteem disappears. You no longer value yourself or think you have any worth over and over when that happens. Um, so the very last job that I was doing, I had done 13 jobs in 15 years. Um, and that very last job that I was doing, I hit a challenge point and I said, you know what, I'm done. I quit. I left that job, drove home from it to my mom's house, got into the bed that I grew up in and didn't get out for three years. So from 33 years old to 36 years old, I had given up entirely on life. Um, I had um, absolutely kind of just, just let go. I was in the house. I never left the house. Um, and that was for three years solid. Um, and I still say to this day, I most definitely should have been hospitalized. My mother didn't choose to do that for me. But at this point, I would say that I should have been hospitalized. Um, my suicidal ideations were beyond ideation. I had plans and things like that. Um, and so I was sort of sitting at that point. At the same time, I had always had migraines in my life um, and they started to change a little bit. Um, and so when your migraines change and you're somebody who no one could find the source for most of your life, um, you begin to worry about brain tumors, 
and things like that. Um, and so I did. I started to search on the internet while journaling about my migraines. I had a smell that nobody else could smell and I was freaking out. Um, so I went on to WebMD, which is of course where people start when they don't want to leave the house. Um, and I looked through a bunch of stuff on there. I was looking at uh, olfactory tumors and I was looking at pituitary tumors. Um, I was looking at hallucinations uh, and I was running through that, but it was too much medical jargon for me to get through it fast. So I said, all right, I'm going to go to the other source. And I went to Wikipedia where everyone goes for their correct information. Um, and I hopped on there and I was searching again through those same things. And at one point I was just in that YouTube vortex of clicking and clicking and clicking. Um, and I got to sensory processing disorder. Um, and that was way familiar to me. It was like, wow, this is, well, this is a thing. Cause I've always had this. I just thought this was a normal person thing and everybody kind of had this. Um, and so as I was reading that at the bottom of that article, there was a link to Asperger's syndrome. Um, and what I did was read that article and I felt like I was reading my own biography. Um, it gave me the chills. It felt like I was about to fall over on a roller coaster. Um, I felt like somebody had been watching me my whole life. Um, and so what I did was I took that link and I emailed it to my mom, which is the only way I knew how to verify anything. I waited those requisite three days for my mom to check her email and I didn't want to bias her opinion. Um, so she finally read it and came into my room and said, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go for this? You found it. You finally found it. Um, and so that's how I went seeking a diagnosis. I was in that place in my life. Um, and so I went to go seek it. Wow. What an incredible story. What do you say to people who, um, might be watching, you know, it's, it's so interesting to me because autism is a spectrum. And I, I do believe that all of us have at least some of the different elements. Um, you know, people will watch and go, oh, well, I, I sometimes have sensory issues. Um, does that mean that I'm on the spectrum? I, I, I find that it's a very interesting thing um, to help people to understand that, you know, you might have a sensory issue with one thing, but, you know, when it gets to the point where it's stopping you from doing the things that you want to do, what do you say to people to help them to understand that, you know, and, and to have the compassion of, you know, I get it that you might feel social anxiety too, but that it's at a different level. Right. Um, well, I let, you know, I almost like it sometimes when people say that I know other people get kind of irritated um, by that, but I, I really appreciate it because it gets, it gives me the opportunity to say to people, well, yeah, autistics are human. So we're not having an inhuman experience when we're having sensory overwhelm and we're having, it's the combination of all of those things, right? I don't just have social anxiety. I don't just have one of these things. I have to worry about my sensory and the social and the this and the that and all of that. Um, and now I have to think about things that I didn't know about, didn't know they had names like dysgraphia and alexithymia. And I have to think about all of that stuff at the same time. Um, and so what I do is I say, I appreciate that you can understand that I'm having a human experience. Um, but my human experience is different than your human experience. And I sort of go from there. Um, I like to explain autism as um, the filter through which I see the world, right? It's sort of any information that I'm uh, going out to get or is coming into me or I'm experiencing with other people is coming through my brain through the lens of autism. That's it all the time, 24 seven. I don't get to take it off and, and wear it on some occasions and other times. Um, and so, but it's literally how my brain processes the information around me, right? Um, and it's different 
than what we would call the neuromajority, right? It's different than what most people have, though we're seeing our numbers continue to grow. Um, but that's Absolutely. what I say to people, because it is. I, know, we are human beings. We do have those same human feelings. There's I love that. Space. I love that answer. Um, but, uh, you know, people looking at you now, and it's mm -hmm. eight years later, and, and I know people are going to go, wow, you know, you seem so capable. You seem like so intelligent, so articulate, like, uh, you know, and, and, and it would be easy to say that your life is this ginormous, ginormous success right now. We're all being forced to be at home right now. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, but but tell us a little bit about how your life has changed and how, and if getting the diagnosis helped you. Okay. Well, the diagnosis didn't just help me. The diagnosis saved my life. Um, I'm real, very realistic about that. When you are someone who is experiencing suicidal ide ideations and suicidal thoughts to the point that you have a plan, um, you're real close. And so when I got that diagnosis, it was this little spark of hope in a life that had been so incredibly difficult for me um, and for people around me some of the time, I guess. Um, and so it was like, wait a second, if, if this is a thing, um, I have, there's a moment that I could have hope. And in that moment of hope, what I ended up seeing was my realistic choices because I can't ever take off my logical autistic brain. And so I processed everything through that. Um, and I looked at the scenario and I said, well, I have two choices, right? There's a fork in the road right now. And I could go down one way and I could say I'm disabled. Nobody knew I was disabled my whole life. How could nobody help me? I'm going to be disabled for the rest of my life. I give up, right? Um, or I could have said, well, maybe this bit of information about myself can help me to fix the things that I'm struggling with and make my life so that I like it and I enjoy it um, and I wanna be here for it. Um, and if that's possible, I wanna do that. Um, and then if I chose that path and it went wrong, I always had option A to go back to, right? I could always do the whole I give up plan. Um, and so that's what I did. I chose the, the, what I deemed the logical choice, which was to explore the information that was available to me. And that's exactly what I did. Um, I just spent the first year post-diagnosis, I spent um, going to weekly therapy. That was pretty much all I was focused on was understanding the autism itself and also understanding what it means in my life and for me and my struggles and my challenges. And so really learning to pick that apart, um, putting all the new names that I had, all the new vocabulary that I had to the experiences that I've been having, um, matching that up. Um, and about, you know, most of the way through that year, I kind of was feeling much better and I was feeling healthier and empowered um, and um, so much better that I wanted to give back to the organizations that had sent me to my, the place where I got a diagnosis and where I got my therapist and all of that. Um, so I did. And that's sort of how I got into nonprofit. I started out as a volunteer, was very quickly hired. Um, and I just love the autism community. So I've stayed there, you know, and it became my diagnosis not only saved my life, but it's now become a career for me, right? Um, and it's now my, my life's passion. Um, so it's been a lot of things for me. It's, it's been a lot, but um, I know that it saved my life. Um, but the other part of your question, which is I, I get often, um, about how, um, how I can present this way, right, but still be autistic when they're looking at their children and how can that be? Um, and the simple answer to that is, well, when you were four years old, did you look like you look now, right? Yeah. 
No. Did you behave like you behave now? No, you didn't call it the ladies room. You called it the potty and you didn't do right. There was you changed. Right. You grew up. Um, and it's the same for autistic people. Right. I'm not presenting now at 44 the way I presented at two or six or eight. Right. Um, so, you know, if they saw me then, maybe that opinion would be different. Maybe they would have more obviously seen my autism before I learned to mask it and I learned to cope uh, and I learned to push through. Um, I don't know. What I know is that those challenges, the ones that I have, existed in my baby book from my mother. I know that. I've seen it in writing, right? I know I've done the test and I know, I know that piece. And um, because I am and I exist, it must be a possibility because here I am, right? And so um, I kind of, you know, I look at it like that. Was I always a wordy person? Yes. Was I always, you know, I was hyperlexic, hyperverbal, always as a kid? Definitely. Was I articulate? Nah, not till I got older. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. me. That's the reality. We have a developmental delay, which may mean that sometimes we present a little bit younger than you're guessing for our age, um, but we're still developing. So we are going to change and everybody's going to change. And nobody knows how their kids are going to turn out, you know? Yeah. I love that. Um, but would you go back and tell us about the organization, where you got diagnosed and where mm -hmm. you got, and what kind of therapist you were using? Yeah. Cause I know everybody's writing um, in wanting to know that. This is a great one because as adults, right. The it's all different. Um, a lot of the things that you would be testing for and asking about and, um, questioning and looking for behaviors of, um, don't really exist in adults. Um, and especially don't exist in adults who have learned to hide themselves their entire life. Um, so it's hard to see that, right? I have managed to learn um, how to fake eye contact really, really well, right? Um, and so most, many, many doctors that have no experience in autism would say, well, uh, you make eye contact, you can't have autism, right? Mm -hmm. um, I was definitely denied a diagnosis most of my life because I'm speaking, right? I'm speaking, so I can't be autistic. I'm also a girl, so I can't be autistic, right? Mm -hmm. Everything was kind of piled against me growing up, but when I kind of reached the place at 36, I was lucky enough that the world had gotten far enough that there was a place to go for autistic adults. Um, if I had gotten there a couple of years earlier, I don't know that I would have found that. Um, what in particular, what I needed um, was somebody who had experience with adult females. Um, as adult females really present um, very differently than adult males on the spectrum. Uh, and we also are just very good chameleons. Um, and it's such an ingrained habit for us that it's almost hard for us to drop it, even when presented of a situation while we're looking for diagnostics, for example. Um, so I ended up, I, I was, I'm lucky enough, I was born and raised in New York City. So I was in an area that was very highly populated with doctors and physicians and professionals of all kinds on the East Coast. Um, and the first one that I found was an organization called AANE. Um, and they are based out of Boston. And I was in New York, so I thought, okay, well, I will drive wherever to go get this correct diagnosis. So I called there, um, and they very nicely referred me to a very local organization to me. Um, and I had called there, and I was referred to a specialist not too far from me that specialized in adult female diagnosis. Wow. So I went and I, to that person, and I got diagnosed. Um, I like to tell people at this time, um, if you sit down with a professional and within the first 45 minutes, they tell you, no, you can't be autistic because you make eye contact. No, you can't be autistic because of whatever, your pants are black. No, you can't be autistic for whatever reason. Um, nobody should be diagnosed in 45 minutes. So I would leave that office immediately and look for somebody else. 
Um, it should take about six to eight weeks to get a proper diagnosis. There's a lot of testing and scoring of the testing. Um, and then the professional has to write up their results. So it takes a while to get it. Um, and so that's really important to know as well. So I was lucky enough to, to do that. And then after that year, I went back to that same small organization, which is AHANY, which is um, now they're partnered with AANE. They are part of the same organization, um, but that's where I started working. So I, I was working in that nonprofit. Wow. Uh, I mean, I just love, I, I love hearing you talk, Becca. This is very exciting. And, but we're running out of time. I want to make sure that people who are enjoying hearing what you have to say get to get more of you. So mm -hmm. let's talk briefly about like where your website and the mm -hmm. things that you're doing and how we can connect with you. Okay. So now I'm years, I'm a couple of years out of working for nonprofit. I wanted to step out on my own without a mission statement on my back for a while. Um, so I'm now a consultant and you can go to my website and you can see all the things that I do because I put it all in one place. So my website is beccalaurie.com and you can head there and you can see all the exciting things that I do. You can see some of my writing is on there as well. Um, but what I'm really excited about these days that I'm doing is <clears throat> I'm doing a couple of things that are sort of newish um, and that everybody, I'm excited because they're growing. So I started out with a Facebook and LinkedIn group about called Neurodiversity Newsstand. Um, and it was a place where we could all get together and peacefully and kindly share the news that was going on in our community and discuss it with each other. Popular enough that folks uh, wanted more. And so what I did was I created a YouTube channel and I do on Fridays, I do what's called Neurodiversity Newsstand, the vlog. Um, and I just sum up the news of neurodiversity from the week for those of us that are too busy to read all of it. Um, so the popular articles and things like that, I share people's blogs, events that are going on. Um, it's all about sharing and cheering on what's going on in the community. Um, and then from there, I decided to do a live stream weekly, which I now do on Tuesdays. So if you head to my YouTube channel, you can sign up for those things and subscribe there. Um, also started a newsletter this past two months ago, I guess. Um, the new one is about to come out tomorrow morning. So if you head to my website, you can sign up for my newsletter as well. It's a motivational newsletter with a theme in the month um, that I pick and I kind of just group together resources around that theme. So this month's theme is uh, authentically living. Um, so that'll be coming out tomorrow. Um, and very lastly, but most importantly, um, because everything got canceled for April, because all of my speaking engagements are gone, because any conferences you guys would be going to are gone, um, I'm taking to the internet. Um, I'm gonna be doing my keynote speech that I would be giving um, anywhere you would have seen me, um, which is a self-defined living, creating a life you don't need a vacation from. Um, it's my attempt at autistic personal development and I will be doing it um, on, <clears throat> I'm gonna be doing it as a webinar off my, my website, which you can go up there and go ahead and register for it. Um, it's gonna be on April 18th at 4 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which is my time. It's gonna run an hour of the presentation and then I'm doing a live Q&A afterwards. So if you come to the original recording of it, you will get to ask questions in the live Q&A. Wow, I mean, it's a lot. And I wanna go back a little bit because, so to go to your website, it's Becca Lori. I'm sorry, I'm leaving you with without me there. I'm, clicking my camera on. There we go. Uh, so like I'm being rude and I didn't mean to be. Um, so Becca Laurie, if you would spell that for people so that we make sure, sure we get it right. So it's yeah. B-E-C-C-A-L-O-R-Y.com. 
Okay, wonderful. Um, Everything and, I talked about is there, so you don't have to go any further than that. Right, that's the yet. place to go. And the webinar um, is on the 18th of April, so yep. you want to sign up to do that. But also, you know, the things, what time is the, the live feed that you're doing today? Today is live stream I do at 2.20 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Um, it's a really informal kind of thing. I wanted it to feel like a support group for those of us that show up right? Hard to do one when everybody's in chat and it's like this. Um, but what I do is I try to pick something to talk about that either we can get to know each other better and kind of bond over what we enjoy together or laugh about or struggle with. Um, or I, I am working on a particular piece of advice that I might want to share in that group and then make kind of the theme around it. I only do 20 minutes because I don't think people watch much longer than that these days. So I, I really stick to neurodiversity newsstand and my live stream are always about 20 minutes, um, a little bit longer if it's a good topic. Um, and now so I'm going to ask the question because I know it's going to come up. That yeah. is for individuals who are self-identifying as being it's on the spectrum. Anybody. I mean, I'm if I really... Um, I learned a lot while I was dealing with autism and learning about it enough to know that because it's a human condition, the problems that we come up with and the solutions to those problems are human problems and human solutions. So anybody can really benefit from what I'm All right. I'm just asking because a lot of times um, parents, well-meaning mm -hmm. parents, Come to you know, parents, really. Oh, good. Because I mean, I, I don't, they're going to want to, Becca. I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm happy for that because I, I wish that my, somebody was around for my mom to say, you're doing right. You're doing the best that you can, or here's some advice that worked for me, or have you looked at it this way? Um, I know my mom would have benefited from that. And so I think about all those moms and dads out there. Um, and so if, in fact, if you want to email me directly, um, my email is info at beccalaurie.com. Um, and if you're a parent and you have like a single question, you'd like a resource on something like that, I am open to your emails. Um, you are not alone out there. You're not floating, right? Well, um, autistic adults speak because we want you to hear because we want your kids to have a better time at everything. Thank you for that. Because I think, you know, I, I have being a parent myself of somebody who uh, was diagnosed at two and a half, I, the first eight years all I wanted to do was to hear people like you who are having a life um, and have figured some things out. I wanted to hear what it is like for you. I wanted to hear that hope that someone can. Right. Um, and then as I got, you know, it was interesting that maybe eight years I was searching those folks out. Then, you know, it just ended up being that I, I turned around one day and realized that a large portion of my friends are individuals that are on the spectrum. And I was like, oh, like that just happened somehow, but it enriches my life so fully as a parent. But I also have met many individuals who, who, who rightly find that autism parents can be annoying. Right, well, um, there are, look, humans yeah. are humans. There are some yeah. autistics that I find annoying, okay? I don't have to like everybody, none of that. And so I, I find that to be a foolish thing. You know, you can, if a toxic person is a toxic person, autistic or not. So if that person kind of comes into your boundary space, that's up to you to push them away. And you don't have to kind of participate in that. But I refuse to kind of close out all the other people Good. that just want the information, right? Um, I yeah. was doing a disservice to my community at that point. Well, thank you for that. And I just want to clarify by annoying, I meant, I've watched my son go through this. My son sometimes speaks. And uh, after uh, we were at an event one time, there was a dad who was just 
loving talking to him. And he was talking to my son and he was just mystified because he had a little boy who wasn't speaking and to hear my son speak. And my son hadn't been speaking. He was just so excited. But at one point he was looking at my son. He was like, so do you have friends? Right. And my, and, and my son, his response, he was like, yes, do you? Right. And why are we talking this way? You know, and, and, and right. like I, you know, he had the appropriate response and the dad was immediately like, oh, I'm so sorry, what am I doing? But it was this very, I mean, annoying like and that. It right, and it happens, It's we call it infantilization, right? And it's part of the reason many adults don't disclose because when yeah. you disclose immediately, people change their tone of voice and they lean in closer, right? And it's demeaning. Um, and especially when you're an adult and you're a business owner or whatever, you're all of these other things, right? So I don't like to lead with that foot um, with people, but I will talk about it when I kind of test the waters with them just because I need to protect my own being, you know, sure. I protect myself. Um, but I think, you know, people do that. There's a there's a bigger problem, right? People do that behavior because we have a bigger problem, which is that nobody is seeing autistic adults. Yeah. So if nobody's seeing autistic adults, how do you as a parent say, well, one day my kid could be what? What? I don't know because I can't see my kid as an adult. So my kid is always going to be a kid. And so we let, we live into that loop. Um, and then the other piece of it is that those kids also don't have mentors to look up to. They're not looking up and saying, here is the adult I could be, right? Yes. And so what yes. I try to do is give visibility to that. Look, am I perfect? No. Do I have challenges? Yes. You know, am I like, you know, I have my own struggles. I'm not perfect. Um, and my autism still gets in the way sometimes and, and that stuff still happens. Um, but I want other kids out there to know like when they're looking through books and who they can look up to, that they can find autistic role models. And I love that. We're we're way past time, but I, I do want to, because I promised people that we would talk about your cat, because um, yes. there's a picture of you with a cat, and I yes. promised them that we would I would make sure that they got to know the name of the cat, which I absolutely love. Okay. Please well, tell us about your cat. That particular cat is named Kira. Um, she is my only domestic short hair. <laughs> I have five other cats. Um, and they are all Maine Coon mixes. And then I have two barn cats under my house that keep the mice away also. So I have a total of eight in my life. Um, and this is a lifelong special interest. This is what it looks like, right? So I've always loved cats. I've always been an animal person. I have four dogs. I have two snakes. I'm just an animal person, right? And that special interest has carried through my entire life. It's my rock. It's the thing that I look to for support, right? My animals, I have emotional support animals. That's right. And so when parents want to take away the special interest and they want to kind of limit it, you can't, right? Because that kid's then going to sneak around and do it anyway, because it's the thing that's regulating you. It's the thing you can rely on. Um, and it serves an important purpose in our lives. Um, and so here I am as an adult. And I told everybody when I was four, I never wanted to have kids. I just want to have lots of cats and lots of dogs. And here I am at 44 with no kids and lots of cats and lots of dogs, right? Um, but somebody is named, is it a dog or a cat who's named Sir Winston Underfoot? Oh, that's Walter. Yes, I have oh, a Walter. who is my black cat, but Walter is my emotional support animal. So he is the dog that travels with me um, and all of that. And he's a giant hound mix that I got from a shelter and I trained him myself. Um, and he travels with me and yeah, he's Sir Walter Underfoot 
and he has his own Instagram because everybody loves him so much. So you can go at Sir Walter Underfoot and you can uh, take a look at him and his crew hanging out around the house. I, I had a friend who had a dog who was named Walter and now she has a dog whose name is uh, Sirloin. Oh, but that is his that name. Is and I, I immediately thought of you when I saw Sir, Sir Walter Underfoot and I was like, oh, you two would be friends, uh, Sirloin. Uh, and, and he met, he does posts on Instagram and on Facebook. Sir Loin oh, does. Awesome. Uh, hilarious. Uh, but let's say again that your website is Becca, B-E-C-C-A, Laurie, L-O-R-Y.com. Yep. And that everything that you do, um, that you've talked about, they, and they can connect with you through that. Let's encourage people uh, go check that out. We are we are hopelessly out of time, but Becca, this has been so much fun. Um, I I wish we'd had more time to talk about more about the 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 two certifications and what you do. But people can find that, and and I would love to have you back whenever you have time. Yeah, let me know. I'd be happy to come back. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us. We thank you for being here. And I'm just going to take a second here. We're past the time, but I want to close out the show. Tell everybody tomorrow we're here with Dr. Doreen Grampiche. She's answering your questions live on the show. And don't forget Thursday, World Autism Awareness Day, Dr. Temple Grandin is live with us answering your questions. So uh, absolutely incredible. And then we'll finish out the week with Let's Talk Autism with Shannon and Nancy. Nancy Allspot Jackson will be joining us. And I believe we're having Danny Bowman um, who is, uh, from, um, she has her own. And of course I'm not going to remember the name of it. She has her own studio. She teaches animation and is teaching animation right now. Danny self identifies and, um, and she teaches individuals who are on the autism spectrum. She's amazing young women. So it's a great week here at autism live. Join us whenever you can, um, for our card families, make sure that you're joining us for the free webinar tonight. We're doing yoga tonight. There we have it. Um, but I will be back here with all of you tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.